Turn, if you would, to Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter 4. We're not going to get to Mark 4 for a few moments as we try to set up the, the scene and the plan that God has for us. But if you remember, as you think about what we're going to be watching in just a few weeks, the movie Inside Out, it's a movie that deals with the, the five emotions that they look at, joy, fear, anger, disgust, and sadness. So the next several weeks, I'm going to look at some of those and maybe a few others along the way as we prepare for looking at a movie that kind of deals with those attributes. And from an unsafe perspective, they did a really good job uh, in this movie on what's going on inside of us each and every day. And it's told in a humorous way, so it's, it's a pretty neat movie. Hopefully we'll be able to reach uh, some, of the, some of the folks in our community about it. But I want to talk through it through the scriptural aspect and what God has to say about some of these emotions that you and I face on a daily basis. How do we handle what is going on in our lives? And here's, here's my problem, here's your problem. Because we're fallen individuals, because we're still tainted by sin, there's not a human being alive that handles our emotions perfectly. And we, we understand that as we, as we watch young children sometimes fall apart at something that really they shouldn't fall apart at, but they're children. And yet sometimes we look at adults and we think, why are you acting like a child in the midst of what you're going through? And sometimes we just can't help. The emotions happen. And, and where do they come from? How do we, how do we understand why I respond? Why do I act a certain way? And oftentimes we can go back to, well, that's how I was brought up. And we, we observe that, and, you know, we observe it from our parents, and our children tend to act like us, and there's, it's just something where we grow with. Sometimes it's who we hang around with, and we become like them in how they respond to certain things in their lives, and yet we're just tainted by sin. We're sinful human beings, and we have this issue, we have this problem, and so as we look at how God wants us to get victory over fear and anxiety today. There's not a single one of us that's going to go out of here, even if we apply all of these things to our lives, and we're, we're never going to say, well, I've never feared again. I've never had an anxious thought again. That's just not possible. The emotions happen to us. We can't help that. They will happen. You will. The most godly person on the planet will face fear and anxiety on a regular basis. But God wants me to understand that because of the cross, because of what He did, because of what I have, my hope, my confidence in heaven, it should adjust what my body wants to do with it, what my mind wants to do with it, how I want to respond to it, and I will re hopefully respond in a godly way, even though I will still face fear and anxiety in my life. Let's pray. Father, we thank you as we come before you today. Lord, as we, as we understand that each and every one of us, Lord, we, we battle with our emotions. And sometimes, Lord, we, in the midst of what we're experiencing and feeling, we can't even make sense of it ourselves. But, but yet, Lord, you have given us some great truths in the scriptures to point us in the right direction. 
Lord, we understand because what Jesus Christ did on the cross, you did give us the ability to have victory over sin. Lord, truth be told, sometimes when, when the emotions happen, sometimes we respond in a sinful way. And that's not your plan. Your plan is to use our emotions and to shape us more and more into the image of Jesus Christ. So we thank you, Lord, for that. Help us as we look into your word today to give us some great wisdom to handle fear and anxiety as we face it on a regular basis. And so we thank you for it. We ask for your help to be attentive to your word this morning in Jesus' name. So again, God wired us to be fearful for a reason. It's good to have fear over certain things. Fear is good. In fact, we, we all probably taught our children that there are certain things we want them to fear. We want them to fear a hot oven, right? We, we taught our children, I don't want you to touch the oven. It's bad. You don't want to be near it because it can burn you. And it, you know, we, we teach them to have a fear of the oven. But if they're... 16 years old, and like, I'm afraid to make world change. You've got to do it all for me. Right? Now, we've, we've gone too far with that, right? So we, we teach them fear because we don't want them to get hurt. There should be a fear, a healthy fear of strangers, right? We want children to be a little a fearful of strangers, but not to the point where they, they they're, they're just won't be around anybody because they're afraid. So we teach them that. There should be a little bit of fear of you know, flying, right? You get in a plane, it's going to go up, you know, four million miles in the air. You know, you're like, it's a little bit of a, is it going to come down? We've all watched the things. And so we have that little bit of fear, but it shouldn't paralyze us, right? There's, there's the, the, the fear of witnessing, right? We're all afraid of witnessing to some extent because we're afraid of what somebody might think about us. But with that fear, we should say, but I'm going to not let the fear conquer us. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do what God wants me to do. So the fear is, as psychologists tell us, it's all in the amygdala, and it's that fight or flight. You know, when, when we're afraid of something, we either jump back or we're willing to go and take it on. This afternoon, you're sitting there watching the game. All of a sudden, a snake crawls through your living room. Some of you may go and grab that snake. Some of you, like me, are going to be setting the house on fire to get rid of snakes. I don't want a snake. You know, what do you do? You move. If there's now, that's not the right response, you know? But we, we have a response, right? Some see a snake, I will deal with it, and some see a snake, and I will run from it. And we all have little snakes in our lives all the time. Things that creep up. What am I going to do with this? What am I going to do with this? What am I going to do with this? Am I going to handle it well? Or am I not going to handle it well? And God wired us for fear for a good reason to protect us. There are times that we should be fearful of a certain circumstance and say, you know, you, you, you're walking down the street and you get this little spidey sense, I'm not supposed to be here. That's a good thing that God puts us there. But again, we, we can't let fear paralyze us. Uh, on, a, on a regular basis. Proverbs 1 reminds us that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So if I live my life in the sense that I'm going to do things that are pleasing to God, and, 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 and the decisions I make, I'm going to put myself in a decision that I'm, I'm going to try to please God, that's wisdom. And so 
then each decision, when a fear comes, what does God want me to do? How does God want me to respond? And that's what God wants me to do. So Mark 4, look here if you would. Um, tremendous story we know well, but it's, it's one that, um, that we find ourselves in regularly. Mark 4, verse number 35. Mark 4.35, the same day when the even was come, he saith, Jesus saith unto them, his disciples, let us pass over unto the other side. Stop there for a minute. So think about the scene here. The disciples are getting in a boat. Why are they getting in a boat? Because who told them? Jesus told them to get in the boat. What did he tell them? We're going to go to the other side. That's the plan. I put you in the boat. I'm telling you to get on the boat. Sometimes we get on a boat we're not supposed to be in, right? You ever been in a boat you're not supposed to be in? Not physically a boat, but in a situation, and you put yourself there, and God didn't tell you to go there, that could be a problem. But when God puts you in a place where you know I am where God wants me to be, and God is in the boat with you, are you not in the safest place in the world? God put him in the boat, so we're going to the other side, they get in the boat. And what did he do? He went and took a nap. They know how to take the boat to the other side. He had a plan for them. Verse 36. And when they had sent away the multitude, they took him even as he was in the ship. And there were also with him other little ships. And there arose a great storm of wind. And the waves beat into the ship so that it was now full. It was full of water. I don't go in a boat much, but I'm pretty sure when a boat's full of water, that's not a good thing. And this wasn't a good thing. The boat's taking on water. The wind is just beating them fiercely. And it says, and he was in the hinder part of the ship, asleep on a pillow. And they wake him and say unto him, Master, carest thou not that we perish? Now here's the thing. Why do they wake him up? Because they're fearful. Now they've been on this lake many times. They've been in storms many times. This one seems to be different. It's taken on water, it is, it is fierce, and they're wondering, are we going to survive this? And there's this fear inside of them. They don't know what to do. Well, they do know what to do. They, they know to blame Jesus. I've done that, haven't you done that? Lord, why, why did you let this happen to me? Why did you allow this in my life? Why did you, and we get upset with God. Because if he is God, if he is the sovereign creator of the universe, if he can speak the world into existence, can he not stop my storm? Of course he can. So why did he let the storm in my life? I, I don't know why he let the storm in your life, but it, I'm sure it has something to do with spiritual maturity. Something to learn about him that maybe we can't learn without that specific storm. And God knows what he's doing. And so they wake him up and they said, don't you care that we're going to perish? The disciples rebuked Jesus. Have you ever done that? Don't answer this. 
Because you have, haven't you? Why are you letting this happen to me? It doesn't make any sense, God. You're God. You love me. Why would you? And that's what they did. And look what Jesus does. Verse 39. And he arose. And he rebuked, not the disciples yet, he rebuked the wind. He gets up, stretches, walks up to the front of the boat, looks out, and he says, wind, stop it. Instantly it was calm. Center of the sea, peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was great calm. Everything's back to normal. We can go on. He can go back to bed. But he asked him a question that he's asked you and me for many, many times. He said unto them, and, I, and I'm sure that there was a little dramatic pause as he told the sea to be calm, as he told the wind to stop, and their mouths were open. I'm sure Jesus looked every one of them in the eye and said, why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? What have they watched him do? Well, Lord, we don't have any food, but there's a huge crowd here. Let's send them home. He said, no, 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 but we feed them. Like we don't got anything to feed them with. We got a couple of fish, a little bit of bread. That's, that's enough. That's enough for me. I can do this. So just have them sit down, have them sit down with companies, and he feeds them. And they're marveled by that. How in the world did he do this? Oh, that's right. He's God. He's the sovereign God of the universe. He saw them when they had no wine at the, the wedding, and he turned the water into wine, and they're like, how did you? That's right, you're God. And you love us, and you can take care of us, and every need you can meet, and you will do what you want to do. And they, they trusted. But the next storm arises, and they're panicking. They're like, God, what are you doing? And they're filled with fear, and they're paralyzed by fear and anxiety. And Jesus says, how is it that you don't have faith? Now, if he would have asked them, or if anybody would have said to them, do you guys know where you're going to go when you die? They would have said, there's no doubt in my mind, I'm 100% sure I'm going to heaven when I die. Why do you know that? Because what Jesus Christ did on the cross for me, they didn't know it yet, but he's going to die for us, he's going to rise again the third day, there's no doubt, I have placed my faith in God, I am going to heaven when I die. And a storm creeps up, and they said, I don't think God has any control over the things in my life. But you know where you're going to spend eternity. You have absolute faith that you're going to spend eternity in heaven. You, you've never seen it. You don't know about it. But you know you're going to die one day. But you're confident you're going to heaven. But you can't trust God with this storm in your life. How is it that you have no faith? Like, where's your faith? What happened to it? And we battle that on a regular basis. Where's your faith? And how many times has Jesus asked me, Ron, where's your faith? And God wants me to continue to place my faith in him in the midst of the storms of my life.
here's the thing. If you're a child of God, God's in your boat. And he will never leave your boat. Storms will come and storms will go. God never leaves your boat. And sometimes he's in the back. Looks like he's sleeping. The Bible says God neither slumbers nor sleeps. But he knows what he's doing. And sometimes he takes me into the storm because he knows, you know what? There's, there's a principle that I need to teach Ron that he's never, ever, ever going to get until he goes through this storm. Oh, he knows some biblical truths and he can quote it. He could even tell somebody else how to get through it, but he doesn't, he doesn't understand it yet. So I have to put him through this storm. There's no other way for him to grow in this specific area of his life. And so God wants us to trust him through it. Hold your place. Don't hold your place. Just go back to Genesis 15. Genesis 15. I think of this great scene in the book of Genesis with Abraham. I, I can't imagine um, what God asked Abraham to do. I want you to take your family, and I want you to leave Ur of the Chaldees, and I want you to travel and go to a land that you've never been to before, you don't know much about, you're going to get there. They don't really want you there, but I'm going to give you that land, and I'm going to make you a great nation. And he was formerly an idol worshiper, but God got a hold of his heart, and now he goes in faith, brings his nephew with him, he gets there, they don't really want him there, um, Lot and him separate, Lot goes down to Sodom, and gets himself into a big mess there, and in chapter 14, we're not going to look at chapter 14, we know the story when Lot was in such a desperate situation that some of the surrounding nations, five nations ganged up on Sodom and came and took control of Sodom, took captive a bunch of people, Lot with it, and Abraham is like, well, I guess I should go rescue him, which was a difficult decision to make. He could have said, Lot should have never gone there. It's his fault. But no, he no doubt asked the Lord, should I go find him and capture him? And he took a bunch of his men and they went. They defeated these five kings. They captured Lot. They bring Lot back. They let him go back to his home. And he goes back to his home. And now he knows these five kings want him dead. He's nervous. He's, he's rightfully so. Like he's a foreigner living in this land. And he's saying that God told me to come, and I trust God, I'm going to follow God. And chapter 15. After these things, after what things? Well, what we just talked about, the scene with Lot, and, 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 and capturing him back, and it was a great victory, but now he's wondering, are they going to retaliate? Are they going to come after me? It was after these things that the word of the Lord came on him and and to Abraham in a vision, saying, Fear not, Abraham. I am thy shield and thy exceeding great reward. Abraham, you don't have to fear. Well, what if they, what if they come back to get me? Well, guess what? I will be with you. And I'll... I will protect you. I will be with Because what did I promise you? I promised you that you're going to have a son. And that son's going to eventually produce the Messiah. Do you have that son yet? No. Trust me. 
Don't fear. Don't let your life get paralyzed by fear, Abraham. I'm going to lead you. I'm going to guide you. I'm going to direct you. And we know that God did. Oh, was everything smooth sailing from this point on? Well, no. Nobody's life is smooth sailing. And we look at some people and we see them, and brothers on TV or some other place, and we, we're like, I wish I had their life. They never have any trouble. You know, if you were to ask them, they'd tell you, no, no, I have lots of trouble. But you may not know it. It's behind the scenes. We all do. We all have fearful situations. And yet God wants me to continue to trust in Him. Go to Matthew 6. Matthew 6. I think when we think, think about the difference between fear and anxiety, there, there's a slight difference between fear and anxiety. Fear, I think, is a normal reaction to what is going on around us, a fearful circumstance. Um, anxiety is more a fear of what might happen or what could happen. That's normal if, you know, you say, I've got to go to the dentist this week. Many people don't like to go to the dentist. You say, I, yeah, I'm a little nervous about going to the dentist this week. Well, that's normal because who likes somebody to stick a drill in your mouth and do kinds of things and, you know, it can be a little, little painful. So most people would say, I don't like going to the dentist. But if somebody said to you, listen, I, you know, pray for me, I've got a dentist appointment this week. But you say, well, something, something serious? Well, I just know they're going to fill like 12 cavities and probably tell me I need a root canal. And you say, well, are you having any issues? Oh, no, but I just know that's going to happen. We don't know that's going to happen. That's something we're, we're projecting. It's really not true. It's something we think might happen, or it's possibly it could happen. And that's where we go from fear of a little nervous to go to the dentist to anxiety of I projected something that is not necessarily true and it really has no basis and now I'm going to worry about something that's really not something I need to worry about because that's not what I've been told. What's Philippians tell us? What sort of things are true, honest, lovely, a good report? Think on these things. Think on what's true. What's true? I'm going to the dentist. I don't like the dentist. But I'll get through it. And if something happens where the dentist says, hey, we saw 12 cavities. Well, now you worry about getting 12 cavities filled. But we don't project on that because that's where we go to the point of anxiety. And Matthew talks about this. Matthew chapter 6, verse number 25. It says, Therefore I say unto you, Take no thought, or don't worry, or don't be anxious for what you shall eat, or what you shall drink, nor yet for your body what you shall put on. Is not the life more than raiment, more than meat, and the body more than raiment? Heal the fowl of the air, they sow not, neither they reap, neither they gather in barns. But it says, Yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are you not much better? Day. You know, we've never had a bird come up to us and have a sign, you know, we'll work for food. God takes care of the birds. And God says this, he will take care of me. He's in my boat, 
In the midst of the storms of life, God says, I'm going to take care of you. He says, I'm better than the birds. And he, he talks about why are you worrying about if you can add to your stature or worrying about clothing. Consider the lilies of the field, verse 28. Verse number 31. Therefore, take no thought. Therefore, do not worry. Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things, do the unsaved, the Gentiles, seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth that you have need of these things. But, what does God want me to seek? As a priority, He wants me to seek the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And you know what? If I do that, God will take care of all the other stuff. That's what He says. And he said this, take therefore no thought, don't worry, don't be anxious, don't be fearful for tomorrow. Why? For the morrow shall take thought, the morrow, tomorrow will have enough things to worry about. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. You know what? If you have to face something tomorrow, and maybe you see down the road this tomorrow that I've got this test or I've got this problem or whatever, I've got to see this doctor and he... I'm not sure if there's good news or bad news. Do you know what's going to happen tomorrow? God's going to be in your boat tomorrow. And God says this, Lamentations 3. He reminds us that His compassions fail not. They are new when? Every morning. Every morning I get up, God's going to give me grace for tomorrow. He doesn't give me grace for the next day. Every day I get up, He gives me grace. Whatever you're going to face today, God will give you grace. Say, so but yeah, tomorrow I've got to. Just as I know what tomorrow's about. I'm not going to give you grace for tomorrow. I'm going to give you grace for today. Because you know what? Tomorrow's going to have some trials and trouble that you don't even know about yet. But when you get to tomorrow, you know what's going to meet you there? New mercies, new grace. You don't have to be fearful. You don't have to worry. You don't have to be paralyzed by anxiety. Do what God wants you to do. What's the next thing God wants you to do? And just keep following Him. Following Him. Isaiah 12, verses 1 and 2. I won't go there, but Isaiah 12 reminds us that God's... Psalm 56, we read this morning. One time I'm afraid I will trust in thee. Isaiah 12, 1 and 2 reminds us that I will trust and not be afraid. So Psalm 56 is great. When I am afraid, I, I need to... Remind myself, trust in God, trust in God. He's my boat. He's with me. He's sovereign. He's in control. He knows what he's doing. He's going to be grace and mercy for today. Isaiah 12, 1 and 2. I'm going to trust ahead of time so that I don't have to fear, that I don't have to worry. Isaiah 57 says the same thing. Lamentations 3, what a great truth. But go if you want to. One more. We'll do one more. Pick a good one. Let's go to Galatians 5. I'll give you a few other ones that you could think about, but God reminds us that we're to be surrendered to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit should control us. I'm not supposed to be controlled by my emotions. I should be controlled by the Spirit of God. Emotions happen to me, right? I can't control that. My emotions will happen. No matter what circumstance you find yourself in, it could be a happy occasion, it could be a sad occasion, it could be a frustrating occasion, it could be a fearful occasion. We, whatever we find ourselves in, that's what we're going to experience. If I'm in a fearful situation, expect to face fear or anxiety. It's part of my life. I will be facing them 
on a routine and regular basis. Um, so we need to, to, to know what do we do with it. And I should be surrendered to the Holy Spirit of God. Don't surrender to your emotions. We have to deal with it. We have to work through the emotions. But we have to follow God. We have to listen to what he's telling us to do. I'm going to switch the verse. I told you one more. So I'm going to switch it. Go to Isaiah 41. Isaiah 41. Verse number 10. You know it well. God says this. Fear thou not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed. Don't be broken to pieces. Don't fall apart. Why? Because I am your God. So when you're fearful, what does God say? Well, I'm going to strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with the right hand of my righteousness. So God wants me in the midst of the fearful trials and the difficult things in my life, he wants me to continue to place my faith in him. Whether it's fear, joy, sadness, whatever, continue to walk faithfully with God day by day, moment by moment, week by week, year by year. And we can only do this because of what Jesus Christ did with us and for us on the cross of Calvary. We need to be aware of what God is working in my life and how he wants to control me and change me and make me more like Jesus Christ each and every day. And sometimes in order to become what God wants me to become, he's got to ask me to get into the boat. He'll be with me. And I'll say, we're going to go over here. And he knows from here to there, there's a storm. He didn't tell us it was coming. We weren't expecting the storm, but the storm has come. The question is, what am I going to do with the storm? What am I going to do with this emotion? Because in the midst of the storm, I'm going to be fearful. And it may lead to anxiety of this bad storm. I'm going to die in this storm. Well, we don't know that. We just know it's a storm. We know it's a trial. What is true? Think on these things. I know this, I'm in the midst of a storm, I'm in the midst of a trial, I'm in the midst of a decision I need to make, and I'm not sure what to do, and I feel the butterflies, and I'm a little nervous, and a little fearful, what do I do? God says, have faith. Have faith, I'm in the boat with you. You follow my footsteps, are you where you're supposed to be? Yeah, I am. Then have faith. I'm going to lead you safely to the other side. I know what I'm doing. I'm a sovereign God. I went to the cross and I died for your sins. Do you know for sure you're going to heaven when you die? We would say, well, of course I know that. I just don't know if you're capable of handling what's going on in my life today. Do you see how stupid that sounds? When we say it out loud? Oh, I trust God for all of eternity. But I'm not sure I can trust him on Tuesday. It's not logical. But you and I have been there on a regular basis. God wants me to have faith in Him, trust in Him, and let Him do that work in our heart to make us more like Christ. Lord, we are grateful that as we've come this morning to look into Your Word and see some encouragement about how we can get victory over fear and anxiety, we know, Lord, that it's not possible to get 
to the point where we never fear again. Or we're never anxious again. But Lord, we can get to the point where when those feelings come up, we handle them in a biblical way. We handle them in a way that would honor you. You would increase and strengthen our faith. And so Lord, we ask that you would just help us this morning as we, as we leave this building, as we go our separate ways to work, to family, to whatever we need to do this week. We don't know what tomorrow holds for us, but you do. And so Lord, when the storms come, Help us to continue to hold on to you, maintain our faith, trust in who you are and what you want to do with our lives. We thank you for it. We ask for your watch care over us today. In Jesus' name.